This morning, uh, we're finishing up the membership covenant. Uh, we have the last part of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, I'm just going to read the last part that we're talking about. Um, that is that we will give cheerfully and generously. Um, can I get an amen? Okay, can I get a cheerful? Okay, all right, we're going to give cheerfully and generously to the support of the church, to the relief of the poor, and to the spread of the gospel um, to all the nations. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we're going to finish that up. To, and I'll just tell you, if you're interested in, in becoming a member, um, there'll be a members, a members class uh, at the beginning of August. So you can sign up out there, um, and that'd be great. Uh, but we're finishing this up. This is, this is what we as a church said we want to be about. Um, if you've missed the first six, you can like go back and find them online and listen to them. But today we're finishing up by saying as a church, as, as members of this church, that that's one thing that we commit to. And to be honest, this would be something like, uh, what's, what are you going to be a member? You know, what, what, you know, what are you going to, are you going to be all in? And this would be something that some people are like, ah, I don't think I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a casual attender, but I'm not going to be all in as far as like really sacrificially giving to this. All right. Um, but that's one part of, a, as a church member, um, that, that we're about. And this is not, this is, we're going to talk about like why today. It's not because you've got to pay your dues. Um, but as we look in scriptures, I, I've done a good bit of reading this week about, about this. Um, it's really convicting. Like, if you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, if you're not a believer, then you're, you know, you're just like, you're, you're still, you're not under God's authority. You're not saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus. So you're living your life for you. But if you're a believer, if you say, I am a Christ follower, then you want to be like Christ. And all throughout the Bible, it talks about how we should be generous people. We should be givers. It, I mean, I'll just be honest. I know at times uh, when we talk about money in the church, there can be people who like have issues with it. Um, and, and because I know it's, it can be abused, abused and all that stuff, I mean, man, the television does not help with this at all, okay? We're not going to be selling any stuff. We're not going to be selling any water or selling any prayer cloths, nothing to pimp out the gospel by any means. I understand the horrible things have been done as far as in the name of religion and money and all that kind of stuff. But if you look at the Bible, so take religion out of it, just read the Bible, and God's all about you being generous, um, you just can't. And so it is an area. It's not any bigger than any other area of our life, but it is, is a, it's an area of our lives where if you're not obeying in this area, you just got to understand it is an area of disobedience, just like lust or just like being a gossip or just like hatred or anger. Like for you not to be generous is not what God wants. He wants his people, those who are Christ followers, we should be generous people. All right. So I've got a panel today. I've got a panel of, of real-life people because this is what I said. I've been, I grew up in church, right? So I know at times hearing a preacher talk about money, you know, it could be a little bit, you know, because I got something in this, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I get paid by the church. So, there's, so I'm going to get real-life people who get nothing out of this, and I want to ask them a few questions about why are they crazy. Um, because uh, because they are crazy in some ways. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask them just a couple of questions. Because I do think I do think you will hear it different hearing people who are not like a pastor. You know what I'm saying? Um, okay, so you people on the panel, you should know who you are. So don't just, don't just randomly walk up here. You five people I've asked, you come up here, and that would be great. <clears throat> and I know. Uh, honestly, some of them kind of wrestle. Oh, you also, if you grab a couple of microphones, 
There's one. Maybe grab a purple one and see if it's on. Um, they kind of wrestled with this, and I, I talked with several people about this. Is this a good idea or not? We'll, we'll find out. In about 10 minutes, we'll know if this is a good idea or not. But uh, it, it's a struggle because obviously the Bible talks about giving, and you're supposed to give and not let others know. I mean, you know, so whoops. Uh, so that's the struggle. But there's also where biblically we try to, you know, uh, used one of the passages we get to today. Uh, I know we may not have time, but where Paul actually uses these Macedonian believers are, 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 are being very, you know, they're being very generous, and you Corinthian believers, you should look to them and let that encourage slash challenge you, all right? So, so these people even kind of wrestle with, like, I don't really know if I should be on here, kind of the awkwardness, but they're here. Um, and so uh, I'm going to ask them, because I know that these people are, uh, you know, givers. Um, and so let me, let me say another thing that's cool about, about the role I have at church um, is, is be, a lot of times being able to be the person who uh, is able to give. Like, I didn't give it. Like, it's not me, but I'm able to hear this. Somebody gave me this envelope, and they want you to have it. And be able to, to see, that is so cool to see, like, somebody who is being incredibly generous and giving to somebody other other person whether it's for mission trip or man they know like you've got some serious stuff going on in your family and and that's been for many of you so there are many generous givers out here um and it's been cool to see that's that's a cool thing to see whenever the church really loves that way even like uh kelsey talked about it a little bit in her testimony this agnostic by seeing the way christians love and love each other it can be gospel. It can be, it's not the same as telling them about Jesus dying on the cross and you need a Savior, but there's an element to, and that's one thing to talking about, like, like Christians, we should live differently with our money. And, and that will say something to the world. Like, these people are a little different. Like, why would they do this? Okay, so let me just ask you, um, panel, you can tell you who your name is and all that kind of stuff. Um, why do you give to the church? Okay, why do you give to the church, the relief of the poor, the spread of the gospel? And this is why I want to ask this, because, um, like I say, I've got a vested interest in this. I want you to give. I want you to give more, all right? Okay, but, um, but I, like, this is, some, and this is crazy cool to see. I've seen some people be incredibly generous um, giving, both inside this church and outside this church, and, and it's just like, it really is, it's a horrible business decision. I don't know if you, if those of you are giver, if you, at the end of the year, you see how much you give to the church, like, just think what you could do with that. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever had that flesh thought? Anyone? Anyone? Okay, there's still, okay. They, so, you know, that's a, I'm a, we're struggling, you know, we want to go on this vacation. We, we, this car is no good. Like, what? If that, there's, our, there's the money we're looking for. Okay, so I just want to ask you, because it's a poor business decision. Uh, why do you give to the church, relief of the poor, spread the gospel? Uh, my name is Joe Applegate, and I have always believed that everything we have is from God. Our time, our resources, and particularly the money that he gives us. And I learned that as a child, and that my parents gave me money and made sure that I understood that it was important to give to others, and so it's just been a lifelong lesson. And in doing so, we do reflect Christ to the culture, and we have a chance to give back. And I've had a life of great abundance that I walked away from, and I found out that if you just live on what you need, that that's more money that you can then give to people who can go and preach and extend God's kingdom and spread the gospel. 
and help those that don't have enough. And in doing so, uh, there are many people who come to know the Lord that wouldn't have otherwise because you can become, um, in those actions, uh, their answer to prayer. And so I believe it's something God calls us to do and we need to do so in obedience. And if you don't believe in miracles, pay your tithe when you don't have enough money to live on and God will make himself real to you and he will meet your every need. And even though the, the math of it would never work out, it will happen when you trust him. Anybody else? Why, why do you give to the church and even maybe stuff even outside the church? Why do you give to the poor, spread, things that spread the gospel? I was just going to say because God commands us to in his word. Um, and the more you do it or the more I do it, the easier it becomes for me because my heart has changed. My perspective has changed. Um, and so when maybe before I gave, I was trying to hold back on things. Once I finally was obedient and I gave, then I get to be a part of something exciting um, that God is doing, and it makes me excited as a believer to be a part of it. And I want to tell off of what Joe said because I think it's important. I was thinking about why do I give, but it goes back to my parents also. Um, they were newer Christians when I was five or six, but ever since they became Christians and until now, I've always seen them, and it's the same, even they came here last week, and I see them get out their checkbook and write the thing, and you hear the sound of that tearing off. That's what I heard every week growing up, and it just became kind of like, oh. It, it was teaching in a way, and it made me think, as a parent, everything's electronic nowadays. My kids don't see me give. They don't see me tear off anything. So that was really important for me to realize that was just what your parents ingrained in you. And I carried that off to college to an extent, um, but then kind of, you don't have any money at college? I mean, really none. There's nothing there at all. But um, I think I was a junior or so, and uh, I had kind of bounced around in churches, and I found this really small church with a small group of friends. And I remember the preacher's wife was teaching that class, and she was talking about giving. And I still remember years back, her name was Tashana, and she just had this great lesson prepared for us college students about giving. And this is our church. Even though I was miles away, four hours away from home, this was my church body. Um, and I was part of this church, the small church, and my, my duty, my obligation were to, to my friends and colleagues, peers, everyone in the church, and it, and it brought a new perspective of I'm not just free out there as a college student doing what I want. Like I, I, am a, I have a body of believers that I'm responsible to, and um, that was a really important lesson, and from that point on, she changed my mindset that you know, I'm not my own individual with my own money. Wherever I am, if I'm plugged in to a church, there are needs um, that, I, that I need to be involved with and supporting. So I give her that credit, um, teaching college students about giving, because that's a hard lesson, you know, probably to want to wake up and be like, college students, they're going to be giving. Um, but that really impacted my life, and I will always be grateful for her, for whatever reason, that really stuck in my mind that, that's that's what I need to be doing. So for me, it was key people, my parents showing and teaching um, and my ears wanting to listen and be like, all right, that is me. That is what I need to be doing and being obedient to that. Um, 
I grew up in a church, but my parents never really talked about tithing. They always gave me some money, and I would put it in the plate, and we'd pass it along, but I never really understood it, I think, and fully understood it. And so when Steve and I got married, um, he was at Normandale. He was already at Normandale, and I was at a different church, and we got married, and so I didn't know how to balance the checkbook. I did know how to do that, and um, so we, we would balance the checkbook sometimes together, but he always wrote this check for NBC, and I thought, what is this for? I didn't understand what it was for. And I said, why do we need to pay NBC something every week? Why do we need to do that? I'm thinking it's the television corporation that they don't need our money. And so he smiled at me and he sat down and he said, it's Normandale Baptist Church. So that was 40 years ago. And we have grown and we have learned a lot about tithing. And I think it really set in with me when our church did the Purpose Driven Life. And there was a section on tithing and it talked about don't give God your leftovers. And that just really has really always stuck with me. You pay God first um, because he's given us everything. It's all his anyway, and we just need to give it back to him. So I guess I'm more guilt-driven because Malachi talks about tithing and talks about uh, the people of Israel being under a curse because they didn't give their tithes and their offerings back to God, and so he is basically a call to repentance and obedience, and he tells them, you're under a curse because you're not giving me the tithes and offerings that are due to me, but if you do, I'll open up the windows of heaven. So to me, it's not optional, and in the, in the same section, he says, I'm, I'm the same. So this is not just something that happened in the Old Testament. It's still something that we're, uh, it's a part of being obedience even today under the New Testament. All right, some of you might have <clears throat> touched on this a little bit um, already, but when, when did you start giving regularly, or was there a time when you, you know, something clicked where you wanted to be more of a, a generous giver? So I don't know if that's a great question, but when did you start giving regularly? I know some of you have talked about that, um, or was there a time when you tried to be more generous as well? For me, it was when, uh, like Joanne said, I... We tried to give and gave every week, but for me, it was one of our previous pastors, Mike, that did a series on tithing, and he even talked about when he was a pastor, he didn't tithe. He would give uh, basically what he could, but that he finally decided this was an issue that needed to be settled, and it needed to be nailed down and not every week because this is what we would do. We would say, well, we've got a little bit more this week. We should probably give a little bit more, or it's a little bit tight this week. Let's hold, hold back. And when he did that, ser that series, I finally realized this is something that you just need to, to settle, and you just do it once and for all, and then it's not an issue. You, uh, and, you know, if you do that, it almost becomes automatic, and it's not quite the uh, generous attitude and all that, but at the same time, it's, it's a form of ob obedience and trust, and I believe that, that pleases God. Um, for me, um, the routine part of it I already explained was from my parents, so even growing up mowing yards, I was like, all right, you know, I made this much mowing yard, this, this is God's right here. So that was routine for me, but I remember specifically when 
um, because I'm a very structured, analytical personality preparation. When someone comes to me, um, I'm, I'm a thinker and I got a process, so it usually takes me a second even to be generous. I'm like, oh, wait, wait, generous. Uh, so I remember, um, like I said, coming out of college and having my first job, and I went back to Tyler, Texas, and I was at Green Acres Baptist Church, and I remember specifically this girl was saying why she wanted to go on a mission trip. She was part of the young singles and just talking about, you know, if, if you can give, that would be great. If not, and I remember that really sticking with me, and that was my first moment as, I would say, an adult out in the world where I had a real job, and I was like, you know, um, that moment there, it just pulled on me. I was like, she's going to serve, and she's going to um, do what, what she needs to do, and she's asking for help. And so that was the point where I remember um, it's hard for my personality, such a preparer and planner, but that's where God continually now still works on me all the time because I'm such a preparer and planner and everything's set, budget, everything to a degree, and there are just times where I'm like, Ah, this is God. This is God saying, change, You've, you need to give and get out of your mold because otherwise it's just rote and routine and you got that down. I feel like God's always working on your heart. So wherever level you're at, like he's saying, you're already there. You know how to do that. You need to, you need to do something else and get uncomfortable and give now. Um, and like Joe said, when it's, um, when it's the hardest or you feel like you don't have the most, those are those lessons in life where um, it really sticks with you. We got married right away and got in debt immediately right away in a big amount, but it was something that we needed to do, and I felt like God was saying, this is what y'all need to do, and he met our needs um, and, you know, got out of debt, but I'll always remember that going into marriage, having huge, big financial problems from the right away is, is never fun, but God, because it was something we felt like we needed to do, um, he he made it work out, and I always draw on those moments, too, when I think, yeah, now's not the time, and God's like, my time is different from your time. Um, I was going to talk about, um, before I started, before I got, like, a real job and started get tithing to the church, when I was in college, I went to a um, Shane and Shane concert. I got a compassion packet with a little girl's picture on it, and then at the end, they were like, if you want to sponsor this kid, come let us know. And I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, you need to start sponsoring this child. And that's the first time I started doing something like regularly, like giving. And that just meant a lot to me because I started writing letters back and forth to this girl. And um, it was just exciting to know that my money was doing something. Well, um I think I've always known the importance of tithing, and as long as I've been in the church, I've been tithing, and I haven't always served the Lord. I drifted away from Him, but even when I was away from Him, I knew that I should have been tithing. So when I got back in church and got reconnected, um, I resumed tithing, and I was making quite a bit of money at the time, but I was just paying the bare minimum, just my 10%. Um, and the Lord convicted me that I had so much, more than I'd ever had. Um, and that I needed to be giving above my tithe uh, to, to bless others. And so I prayed and I asked him to show me what I could do in my life where I could make changes because um, I was living and spending every bit of the money that I was making. Um, and I've never really been a big saver and I'm still not because you can't take it with you. But what I found was that by living differently, I could save more money that I could then give away above and beyond my tithe. 
So this may be radical to some of y'all, but 10 years ago last month, I cut the cord, and I haven't had a TV for 10 years. So by not having a TV and having to buy new models, because um, you know they keep changing the technology, and not paying for cable, it made a difference. My children were at home at the time, and I got lots of pushback. Um, but it really made a difference as to what type of information was coming in to the household. And it changed my focus. It gave me more time to really do what I should do. And all that money I saved, then I could give to other people. So that's when I started becoming more generous was because I had more that was um, available to be spent on others rather than shopping or, I, you know, for a while I was getting a new car every year and, you know, things that really weren't important. And when I focused on what did I need to live on, I found out that there was a lot of things I was spending my money with that I really didn't need when I had people around me that were doing without. You know, families that were single parents, um, some of them were in church, some weren't, but the need was still very great. And so um, the Lord was faithful to help me see what I could do, and I continue to do that. I live in a very modest home. I do without a lot of things, and that doesn't work for everybody, but the culture tells you you need all these things. And my mother-in-law is in hospice this week, and everything that she wanted her whole life is at her home, and she'll be leaving to go to be with the Lord, and she can't take any of those things with her. And so I think if we just look around, that God will show you what areas, and it doesn't mean you have to get rid of your TV, but God can show you, maybe it's eating out less, maybe it's, you know, just pray and ask God, and he will show you how you can become more generous, and you'll never regret it. You can never outgive God. You're good. Don't want to say anything. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, when did you start, uh, let's see. Yeah. When did you start giving regularly, or over time when you became like a more of a generous giver? Wasn't that the question, right before? Okay. Yeah. Oh, we're good. All right. We're going to three. All right. Uh, so just um, once again, that these people aren't perfect. Um, so I want to give them a chance to be honest. What's What's the biggest struggle? The hardest thing when it comes to being a generous giver? Because I'm guessing it's yeah. There's a struggle still. Well, I'll talk again. <laughs> um, I'm a selfish person by nature. God has really changed me so much. If you knew me when I was younger, you wouldn't even remotely have liked me. It was all about me. Um, so God's helped me a lot in that area. And so when I am spending um, and sharing money with others, trying to bless them, I think the devil works overtime trying to second, make me second guess, well, you know, that guy on the corner, he's probably going to go buy drugs with that money that I felt like I should hand to him at the stoplight. Or maybe the person that I tried to go buy some groceries for, maybe they really have enough money to live on, but they're making foolish choices, and you're giving them more money, and they're going to waste it. And so I struggle in that area sometimes, and when that happens, um, I come to realize that's what it is. And so what I do is I try and just bless others and... Um, I always do it under the Lord, and I try and just say, you know, God bless you. And so even if that person misuses it, they continue to, like, go buy lotto tickets with the money that they have, thinking they're going to win the big jackpot when they're not paying their bills, and I'm trying to help them, but it's really being wasted. It's okay. I just have to release it to the Lord and know that my heart was in the right place. And I do pray and ask God to give me wisdom, because I think you need to um, be mindful of what the Lord's direction is because you can become an emotional person and 
you know, your judgment can be clouded. And so I just pray for wisdom in that area, and it makes it a lot easier. But that is one that will make me stop and, you know, is this really wise, you know, so. Right. Anybody else biggest struggle on giver? I guess the obvious thing is that you feel like sometimes maybe I should, I could probably use that money to do something else like pay for a car repair or house or um, do something else with it. But again, one of our previous pastors preached a sermon that I probably won't ever forget. And he said, the question is not how much of your money are you going to give to God? This was Tommy Kiker, for those of you that remember him. He said, the question is, how much of God's money are you going to keep for yourself? So that really puts it in a whole, whole different perspective and, and kind of uh, makes it a little bit easier not to struggle with it, that uh, you're looking at it more from God's perspective. Um, I think the other struggle is that God wants us to be faithful in all areas. So like Brent said, tithing is just one of those areas. And I don't think you can necessarily make up for not being faithful in other areas by, by tithing. In some ways, it seems like giving is maybe easier than sharing your faith or studying your Bible or talking to your limo driver on the way, your Muslim limo driver on the way to the airport about why you've been in New York and, and sharing your faith. So um, I think the, the struggle is to try to be faithful in all, in all areas. I think for me, um, the struggle is different when I was single versus married versus married with kids. Um, when I was single, I came to, um, I mean, all of us are, are selfish and we have our own ambitions and what we want in our life. And when I was single, I finally got to a point where I broke free of all of those thoughts. And that was towards the end of college. I was like, God, whatever you want from me, whatever you want. Um, and I'm, uh, just walked in to my job and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm done here. I don't know what God has for me. And that was in my college years. That was bold. And I had no, nobody around me. It was just me. And I knew for me, God's going to take care of me. And I had that full faith and trust. And everyone's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to see what God's going to do. And we're going to wait and see. Um, that was fine then, and, and what I'm learning now and what I'm still trying to embrace is God has that all the time, no matter you're married, single, you know, you have responsibilities. I have responsibilities as a dad, um, but when I got married, I was like, oh, now I've got to provide for a wife, and then the more kids that I have, I'm like, oh, those are more mouths that I need to feed, and I do have responsibilities, but for me, the struggle is um, as a and where I get in trouble as a preparer and an analyzer and a thinker and a budgeter is what do I do and what do I need and not need for myself, my kids, and, and that's the struggle for me now. Because um, God, God has that too, whether, you know, with a family, he will watch over us and I will put my trust in him and I struggle with that. Because me as a dad, I want to provide and care for my family but what does that mean? What amount is enough, and where do I lean on? So that's my struggle um, in my walk, in my life. And there's time where I am really, really close to God, and I'm like, give, 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 give. God's got all this. And then there's time where I'm walking on my own, and I'm like, pull back, save. You've got kids. You've got, you don't know how much this cost in 20 years, you know, for X, Y, Z. So save. And that's my constant struggle is um, 
God's saying, trust me, trust me in this area of your life specifically, um, because that is my mentality, that I'm a thinker and a preparer for the future. And God's like, you don't know your future. It may be over tomorrow. You don't know what the future holds. So that's, that's my constant struggle, just being honest. Okay, so following that, I'm going to sound really bad, but I'm still very selfish and very me-focused and very greedy constantly. And so for me, um, that is obviously my struggle. I've always been like that, even as a kid, just me, 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 me. Um, and so for me, it's just basically laying that down. And I've taken baby steps, I mean, but it's just constantly laying that down and then getting to see, oh, there's more that could be done with my money than just taking stuff for myself. And God wants to use me. Um, and like I've already said, he just continues to change my heart and make me more focused on him and what he's doing. Um, and um, how reminding me that it's not mine anyway and that um, it's not about me. I think mine is, and I am the penny pincher coupon person that... Um, wants to save everything. I, when I do the income tax, and I, I think at the end of the year, and you see how much you've given, what could I have done with that? And that's that. That's me. Could I, you know, our house could have been paid for, student loans, this, that. But the next year, God always blesses us with more that we can give and and serve and use. Cool. All right, last one. You got to go rapid fire on this one. So, um, what's the biggest blessing? Um, and you know, the biggest blessing of. of of giving to like kingdom causes, um, and if you, if you can't think of one, that's okay. But what, in your life, you think of a biggest blessing of giving to like kingdom causes. We've given, um, we've sponsored two children in Compassion, and that's always such a huge blessing. We we will never meet those children, but um, the the first boy he sponsored out because he of age. So now we have another one, and it's just a blessing to get pictures and see them and what they're doing and how we can reach them all over the world. I think for me, I get excited about different things than Ashley does. Ashley may compassion children. Not that I'm not compassionate towards children, but that is her thing. And for me, um, different people going on mission trips because that really has changed my life going over. And that's why I'm going on a mission trip coming up because I need that. I need to see something different and see a different part of the world. So to get out of my bubble and get reset to where maybe God wants me to think. But I get excited about that, and it's almost like a, a secret mission, giving in secret, someone going, them being in, encouraged, A, that someone, someone wants me to go, um, but just for me too also, it's exciting to know that I've, that I've not even been obedient. I'm, I'm excited to see them go and learn, and it blesses me because I feel like, it's, it's a secret part of something that God and I know together, and it's, it's something that I will get excited about. So uh, there are certain areas that I may give in and certain areas that I won't, but that area I really get excited about. And so for me, it's different from, you know, where we put our money is where I have been encouraged, and God has changed my life, and I'm freely and excited to give towards that area Well, growing up in church, um, we moved around a lot, and um, my sisters, I have an older and younger sister, both had the chance to go to church camp, and we were always um, relocating, and I never got to go to church camp. So 
I think that the Christian that I am today is different than who I would have been if I'd had a chance to go and be around other young people that were growing in their faith. So instead I was more pulled towards the world and I thought the world had something to offer. So for me, it means a great deal if I have the chance to help families or mothers or fathers that are raising children by themselves that don't have enough money, if, especially if they have more than one child. I think we have a reasonable price point that we ask people to pay, but sometimes that money's just not there. So it means a great deal to me that if I can help someone's children go, I think it might make a world of difference in how their faith will grow and the trajectory of their life could be totally different and God could use them in ways that I'll never know, but it just, it's kind of like you said, being a secret, they don't know who helped, it's like a secret Santa. And I get real excited about the chance to help them. And the refugee ministry means a great deal to me as well because these people have sacrificed so much to come here and have so little. And um, all of those are very near and dear to my heart. And I think the Lord ha uh, works on me in that way. But um, I'm just very honored to have the opportunity to help. And it's a huge blessing for me to know that maybe those children will grow in their faith with God because of what they've learned by being in those situations. So it's my honor. Two things that I've thought of. Uh, one is just having a clear conscience that we're being obedient by, by doing what God wants us to do and, and giving and tithing. Uh, the other is there have been many times when I feel like we've received a blessing. Not that we gave to get a blessing, but because we felt impressed to give to something God ended up blessing us in a way we didn't expect, and um, there's one specific example where it was back in 2000, somehow we had seen uh, an ad for, there's an organization called International Fellowship of Christians and Jews that feed Holocaust survivors in Israel, and I felt like we should give to that, and so we gave a, a good amount, I, I decided we would give a certain amount for each family member, and I think we gave like a total of 800 or 1,000 or something like that, and it was just something I felt compelled to do, and a week, a week or two later, kind of an unlikely set of circumstances, I was asked to go to New York to for work, and it ended up that Joanne and the kids could come out at the end of the week when I was working out there. Uh, our driver from the airport took us to the wrong hotel. We ended up staying at the World Trade Center, and this was in 2000 before 9-11. Ended up staying at the Marriott at the World Trade Center, spending the week before or several days right before Christmas in New York City with the city decorated. And uh, we flew home, I think, on Christmas Day. It was one of the you know, best times we had as a family. Came out of nowhere, and I, I just feel like that was the result of of uh, being obedient and just following uh, something that God, that God uh, wanted us to do at that time. All right. You're good? Okay. <clears throat> um, I want to thank the panel. Let me, let me just uh, say one thing before they start moving. I, I think as they've kind of shared, I think one of the biggest things that God wants us to, to do uh, as, as we're being generous is to free us from living lives focused on ourselves, you know, to free us from being so focused that we spend everything, all of our time, energy, and money on us, but to, to free us, to, to remind us of the bigger picture of what, of what, um, of, you know, why we're here and why we have these resources. Um, like Steve said, um, 
it's God's money. And a lot of us would say that, like, but, but, but is it really? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's God's money, so how much of it are we going to keep? Um, and uh, so I think that's the biggest thing on the giving. All right, well, thank you, guys. Thank you, panel. You guys can have a seat. If I'm just going to read a couple of verses. I promise you I'm not going to preach. Many of you are like, oh, no, please do, please do. But no, come next week, all right? I'm not preaching then either. Um, but I know it's kind of, we had the, I knew this would take longer. Uh, but I do want to read a couple of passages of Scripture. I'm not going to expand, you know, expound on them. Uh, but I want to see, I want you to see, uh, because if it's just our church covenant and then just people sharing, that's valid. But we got to see, does it line up with what, with what God's Word says? So I'm going to read you a couple, and I'm telling you, it's all throughout Scripture. Great warning about the rich. And by the way, you're all rich, including me, all right? I mean, you... Uh, I've got some cool stats. Uh, I'll just give you one. If you have, if you've money, if you have any money saved, if you have any hobby that requires any kind of supplies, because when you're poor, you don't do stuff. You know what I'm saying? You got no money. Uh, if you have clothes in your closet, two cars in any condition. Some of you're like, oh, but you haven't seen. It doesn't matter. If you have two cars, um, you have, you live in a home or an apartment. You're in the top five percent of the world's wealth. So just trust me. Um, if you ha- if you earn fifty thousand dollars annually, you're in the top one percent of the world's uh, income earners. So we are rich. I know that we're like, oh, but I don't live in South Lake, or I don't live in this house or that house. That's the problem with us as Americans. We can always see somebody who's got more. But we are rich. So when and when Scripture talks about warning to those who are rich, like it's us. Throughout the history of the world, we are living in one of the wealthiest countries. And, and even where the middle class have some of the biggest wealth. So that's not like, oh, so it's just like that's amazing. That is amazing the opportunities that we have, that you and I have, and what are we going to do with it? Because we will stand before God and then say, yeah, God, you gave me all this. And, oh, I spent it all on me. That's not going to be a good thing. That doesn't, you know, it's not based on your salvation, but, man, you could blow it. You could, what Piper, what John Piper talks about is wasting your life as you get all of this stuff and you've somehow in the somehow because that's what the world tells you, you know, and so you somehow you forget that this is not all about you. So I'm going to read a couple of passages, and I you you won't even I'm not even going to go because they they're so simple and they're so self-explanatory, but yet very difficult to to live. Matthew six, Matthew six nineteen. It's a one I'm sure you've you've heard if you've been around church much because it just makes so much sense. Yet it's very difficult to live. Matthew six uh, nineteen. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. We understand that. Joe shared about that. All of us understand that when we die, we can't take it with us. Um, So don't store up treasure on this earth, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moths uh, nor rust destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And that's kind of the big. So what is your treasure? Uh, we sing a song about it, you know, like we, we love Jesus so much, the stuff of this earth fades away. But, but if we're honest, we struggle with that. Do we really love the things that are eternal, the things that are God's about, or do we love the stuff of this earth? All right, Matthew six nineteen. just mark that, read it. Um, all right, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll, go, I'll just go with one verse in this. Second, second Corinthians 8 and 9 talks a ton about giving. I'm going to read one verse. 
uh, that kind of sums up why should you give. Uh, this talks, it has a lot, but, but 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sake, he became poor, so that in his poverty you might become rich. So just like those of us who are followers of Christ, Jesus set the example. It was not in his best interest to get us. You know what I'm saying? Like he left everything in order for to have us as his inheritance. That's a horrible deal for him. But he loves us, and he was sacrificial. And so, it just, and so he is our example. So we're supposed to live our lives that way. This does talk about finances because that's what they're doing. They're going to be giving up a special offering here. But it says, and so why should you do it? For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. He's our example. Um, he said that clear. First John 3, 1 John 3, 16 through 18. This is how we come to know love, that he laid his life down for us. Once again, using Jesus as our example of crazy sacrificial giving. He laid his life down for us. We should also lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has uh, world's goods, like so you have stuff, and you see a fellow believer in need, uh, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in words, uh, or speech, but an action and truth, just saying that if we love God, it will impact the way we handle our material possessions um, and uh, what God wants us to do. The last one I'm going to read um, will be done. First Timothy 6. First Timothy 6, 16 through 19. Instruct those who are rich in this present age. Okay, that would be you. I need to instruct you of this because Paul said I need to instruct you of this, and that would be me as well. Instruct those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, and that is the danger. When we have money, man, when I talk with our refugees coming in, when you have money, on our money it says in God we trust, but the bad thing is the more money you have, the less you depend on God. That's by nature. Like if you go to poor countries, like they depend on God. Why? Because they really believe unless God heals this person, they're going to die. Unless God comes through, they're not going to have food. But you know what I do? I've got health insurance, and I've got hospitals, and I've got money. So the more you have, I'm not saying you know, don't go to hospitals, or don't have, but the more you have, the less you depend on, you begin to depend on that. Like, I got this. Like, I know I need God, but the more I have, the more I feel like Brent can figure this out, and the more money I have, I know that's going to help a lot. So I don't de- need to depend on God, so I begin to depend on my means and my finances and all that. We can say the right words. God bless me with this. But the reality is a lot of times the more stuff we get, the less we depend on God, and the more we just kind of count on this stuff. So instruct those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant and to set their hopes on the uncertainty of wealth because, man, it can go at any point. But on God, uh, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. That's another thing I was going to mean to hit on. I don't know if I've done a good job, but God does want us to enjoy life. So you don't have to take a vow of poverty. Um, so it's okay to go on a vacation. It's okay to have a car that runs. It's okay to have some of that stuff. We just need to be careful that we're not being selfish because that is our natural tendency. It's, it's all about us and being extravagant. Um, 
so, uh, so don't depend on uh, wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good. So rich people, we're supposed to do what is good and be rich in good works and be generous and be willing to share because our natural tendency is not to be generous and not to be willing to share. And if you do this, if you're generous and you're willing to share and you're rich in good works, you are storing up treasure uh, for yourself um, as a good foundation for the age that's coming. So don't waste your life on investing everything in this present age. It's going to pass away, but you want to think about what is eternal, what's going to last in 200 years from now, what's going to matter. That's what you need to be thinking about so that they may take hold of what is truly life. And you heard glimpses of this, and I've seen in my own life. When you're generous, when you're giving, that actually that's incredible. That is truly living. Um, you know, when you're actually giving of yourself and not being all about yourself, thinking about what's the kingdom, um, that is actually abundant life, not wasting it all on yourself. Let's pray, and we'll wrap up this morning as our worship team comes up. Dear Lord, we come before you, and we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you that, that you are a God um, um, that, that is in control of everything. And, and God, I, I confess in my own life, and I think probably many in the room, we can say the right phrases, that we trust you, we know that it's all yours, um, we know that, that, that this earth is going to fade away and we should live for what matters, live for the eternity. But, but so oftentimes we are, we are short-sighted, God. So help us uh, to fight against that and help us not to, you know, try to, like even Steve shared, that we don't try to give in order to, you know, make ourselves look better or wash away sin or, you know, buy, you know, forgiveness, any of that kind of stuff. But God, help us to, to be cheerful givers, that we give um, uh, just being blown away that you love us and that you uh, would allow us to be blessed um, and so that we just um, are generous people, that we give and, and allow to see the, the amazing blessings that come as, as we're generous and as we don't just kind of keep all the hashtag blessings for ourselves. God, help us to be generous people um, and to see um, just the amazing, you know, life that comes out of that, um, that, that we don't waste it on stuff that's going to pass away. It's in your name we pray. Amen.